Welcome back to the Florida Baseball Podcast. This episode is being recorded on Monday, January 30th, and we are two months away from opening day. We're hopping over to shortstop today, the actual position of Tommy Edmond, to hit our top 10 entering 2023. Remember, we're looking at previous stats and evaluation to create a list entering 2023, not predicting who's going to be the best in 2023, but who's the best entering. How are we doing today, boys? I'm doing good. I'm feeling confident. You know, I shuffled around this list a couple times, but I, I like how it looks right now. Stebs, how about you? I really like my list. It might not be the consensus best list, but from in my opinion and from what I value as a shortstop, I think I think I love my list. Yeah, obviously, like there's a lot of names of shortstops, you know. Uh, we all thought, at least two of us thought that today Francisco Lindor was going to be put on the cover of MLB The Show. Unfortunately, uh, they made a poor decision, not with the person, but I like, with the... I like, I like Jazz. I don't mind it's Jazz Chisholm. I think the image is atrocious. Yeah, they need to have a better pick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had Javi Baez have it in previous seasons. Um, honestly, that's it from shortstop. Was... But yeah, um, but uh, Tatis technically. Yeah. yeah, he was a shortstop then. Um, and I would like to clarify before we begin, I don't have Tatis as a shortstop going into the season. I think we're in agreement no. there. Yeah, we, we don't have him. No. Okay. He's so, a left fielder. We're going to kick it to honorable mentions. I'm going to start off with Bobbert Witt Jr. as an honorable yep. mention. Uh, great rookie season. He put up a 2020 season. Honestly, a very easy 30-30 candidate going for this year. It's just he's not there yet. He's good. The defense isn't that great, to be honest. Um, but he'll be there. I think he will be. It's just starting off young. Manny's fast, so there's that that can translate to a single into a double very quickly. It's gonna a guy we're gonna talk about towards the top of our list that does something very similar to that. Where do you guys have Bobby yeah. Witt? Um, I have this honorable mention. Yeah, so I have my honorable mentions, and I have my rookie radar. You got Gunnar Henderson, Anthony Volpe, um, Ezekiel Tovar. You got a bunch of young guys coming up. But I feel That's like fine. those aren't really honorable mentions quite yet. Um, for my honorable mention, I want to go Jeremy Pena, obviously World Series MVP. A lot of people have that recency bias, especially on LB Network, because he is the second best shortstop in baseball, according to them. I think I don't, it's I don't, fan. I don't quite understand that. But um, he's a good batter. He's a fine player. <laughs> I actually predicted he would do all the things he did in the postseason. Shout out Tom. He has the potential to be a five-tool shortstop. He just refuses to walk he has awful he has a young approach to play he's he's got to mature as a batter and i think with that with that maturity he will become one of the best in the game i think we overrate him a little bit i mean that that postseason was fantastic and you've seen what he can be it's just he wasn't that in the regular season maybe he'll get there this year he has the confidence of coming out of that lot that off season um and i don't remember did he walk much in the postseason I'm not sure if he walked that much in the postseason. I I just I know I know he was a hit machine. I mean I don't think he I don't think he did. I can check that right now. Um, I guess. He walked twice. Yeah, so he's not he's not he's not he doesn't have that good approach yet at the plate. But I think if he can develop that approach, he's yeah. good. I think he's a very good batter. Both those both those guys are on my honorable mention is because they're young and still need they still have work to do to crack the top ten. Bobby Witt needs to increase his glove and get better in the field or it make his offense so good that you have to put him in the top 10 and his defense doesn't matter. And Jeremy opinion needs to work on his approach at the plate. Uh, Steps, did you have any honorable mentions? I had two more honorable mentions. I had Tim Anderson. I just think his 79 game sample size is not enough to put him into the top 10. Um, 
especially when he had negative two outs above average. And then I had Ahmed Rosario. I, okay. I like Ahmed Rosario. Um, and for Tim Anderson, I was right there with you with honorable mention. He, um, he's a guy with a career and I'm, I'm reading this. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Career walk percentage of 3.6%. I, I think this is one of the worst disciplines in all of baseball. Um, with that being said, I don't think we've seen a full season from Tim Anderson in a very long time, but I think the narrative of him being a bad fielder was just last season. He's been an above average defender his whole career, yeah. except for last season. I think that's going to come back. I think he was dealing with some injuries. Um, but even with all of that, he needs to walk more. He cut down on the strikeout significantly, but he needs to walk more in order to be in that elite category, especially when, you, when you're not playing as well on the field. Yeah. So are we ready to go into top 10? I'm prepared. So for my number 10, it was between Tim Anderson and Wander Franco. I ended up going Wander Franco. Uh, I think the young talent's there. I know the sample size isn't huge, but I think those are like 10 and 11 for me. And Anderson has a larger sample size, but in Franco's down year, he had a 116 WRC plus. Um, and he put up 0.3 more F4 in four less games. Uh, the thing with Anderson is like he's a very batting average heavy, which is still very impressive, especially in today's day and age. It's just he doesn't really walk at all. And to, again, in today's day and age, you kind of need to do that. Uh, Franco doesn't really walk a crazy amount either. I think I have that stat wrong. Um, but anyways, uh, he was the 43rd percentile in 2022. So it's a little bit below average. And he cut down on strikeouts to be in the top 1% of the league. And his above average defense and just about as good expected batting average as Tim Anderson. I think there's a good argument against Wander Franco just in sample size, but I really like what we've seen and everything, like every projection system really seems to like him as well. Yeah, I think this is a very stacked position. I think Wander Franco being in the list is absolutely necessary. I had him a little bit higher, not much higher, but um, I'll talk about him when I get to mine. At number 10, I had Tommy Edmond for me. Um, this is a guy who might might as well be uh, like when you think Tommy Edmond, you don't think like a, a superstar but he brings so much value to the Cardinals he steals bases he's a great defender he actually started hitting now he hits to all parts of the field too um and he's just he's kind of leveled up as a batter too he used to be just this one-dimensional fielding speed type guy now he is actually able to get on base actually able to, he cut down on he actually doesn't strike out too much he's walking a little bit more there's a couple more improvements I can see him making um, obviously this is going into the season, so I can't like bet on him to get better, but I do think this guy will, will take a significant leap this season. Uh, I went a different route. I had Willie Adamas. Uh, I really like what he brings to the table. He hits the ball hard. His average is a little low in my opinion, which, you know, that's a stud stat and whatever, but I would like a higher batting average for anyone higher in the top 10 than him. Um, but again, he hits the ball pretty hard, has a lot of home runs and has, 10 outs above average, which is very good. Okay. Um, I'm going to carry off of where Tom was at. I had Tommy Edmund at number nine, a very similar argument, like fantastic. Like if you're talking about guys that could genuinely enter the MVP conversation with an 800 OPS solely through their defense, Tommy Edmund's that type of guy. Like he put up a 108 WRC plus, which is respectable. It's not amazing by any means, but he still put up 5.6 fan graphs war. So that's ridiculous. So the only people he trailed at shortstop was Francisco Lindor and Nico Horner, who's now a second baseman, and Dansby Swanson in his 11 outs above average. I think that's fantastic. As well as the fact, Tom points out his speed. It hasn't completely translated into a ton of stolen bases. Oh, it has. Excuse me. Sorry. I had his stat cast up. 
Um, it's translated into stolen bases. That's going to get better this year, as well as the fact I really like that he has a, di- a diverse run value plan. He has it against changeups, sinkers, and four seamers, not just feasting off of one pitch, something that he kind of did in 2021. So it's just a big improvement with great defense. I like Tommy Edmond. I like Tommy Edmund too, um, but similar to Brad, I just had him flip-flopped. I have Wander Franco at nine. Um, this is a down year for him with some injuries. I So what? He's 21 years old, and to have a down season, managing to have an OPS plus at 117 is is not a bad season, and he will only get better. I mean, I think we all forget the hype he had. I think he was the number one prospect for like four years. It was crazy. I think now that the hype around him has kind of settled a little bit, he might have to prove himself again. Um, he came out of the gate two years ago, extremely hot. And this year he had to deal with some injuries. I think he'll come back into this season being just like he was in 2020. And he should finish the season in like the top seven, top six conversation. Yeah. I I am right there with Tom. I had Wander Franco coming up next. Uh, it's just his 83 game sample size and his injury history is very concerning. I think he definitely has the upside to be a top six top five shortstop but with how many games he's played into his young career i don't think he can get any higher than nine i completely agree with that like i was that's my exact argument of why he's where he is and my i want list him was, to be higher but yeah and like you look at and yeah tom was right what? he was he was a top prospect from 2019 2019 2020 2020 and 2021 on a completely unrelated note you guys see how long byron buxton was a top prospect dude the dude was a top yeah. prospect for like three seasons um, yeah but back to franco like he doesn't whiff his expected stuff is ridiculously high and it was a bad year for him like please let me have a bad year like that for guys on my team um yeah exactly. i mean i do have bad years with guys on my team like that um so I saw Tom make a face at Stevs for this, but I have Willie Adamas at number eight. Um, we're kind of entering the territory where guys are starting to blend together a little bit and you have to make arguments against each other. Um, he barrels up the baseball and he plays a great shortstop and he really broke out with the Brewers. Um, he strikes out at a fairly high clip for someone with his completely average walk rate. Uh, and something that's really interesting is that he launches the ball a, mo- a lot more as a Brewer, something you'd think he'd get out of the Rays. Um, and his highest home run season total with a Ray with the Rays was 20 in 2019. And he did that in only 99 games last year at the Brewers. And then in 2022, 31 home runs, he's breaking out more and more. And he's a guy that's going to get a little bit of backup from the shift getting restricted. Oh yeah. hundred percent. This is a pull hitter through and through. Um, he's definitely going to benefit off that. I had really one spot above eight at eight for me is Bo Bichette. Um, bit of a down season from him. Still a very good everyday player. He's hitting the ball harder than ever. He's walking more. That's not saying too much because he doesn't walk at all, but he is making strides in the right direction. Um, But he's always been this free swinger, and I'm curious to see what kind of adjustments he makes going into next season. Um, But I really do like Bobochet, and I think that – I think his glove is – was it was a horrible season last season, but I can only see that going up. So I think – and especially – I think it was the month of September – that was one of the most fun months. I turned on the TV every time he had a at bat because he was just hitting the ball so hard. It was a lot of fun to watch. And I think you get a full season, it's it's going to be good. Uh, for me, coming in at eight is Tommy Edmund. So I think we're all kind of on the same page on these four guys are kind of in the bottom part. Maybe not, maybe not Brad yet because we don't know his seven. But um, I think Boba Shett 
me or in Tommy Emin, sorry. Uh, Tommy Emin is an amazing defender and just needs to. I, I want more from the hitting side to put him higher. Um, but again, 11 outs above average is incredible and very, very good. And I don't think you can discredit that at all. I think that we need to find a way to like value Tommy Edmund more in like fantasy almost. Cause like the dude's played for four seasons, right? And he's put up a career 48 yeah. outs above average. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, he was a cheat code. Was he on my team? I think he was on my fantasy last year. I'll have to yeah. check. Like he's he was fantastic. Broken. And the thing is, he does. You look at the you look at his like stats metrics, right? A 265, 364, 400 slash line for a 724 OPS. That's not that appealing. It's really not. But it's above average offensively and it is the best glove in baseball. Literally, it's the 100th yeah. percentile for gloves in baseball. Uh I I think the only thing as Stevs pointed out holding Tommy Edmund back is the glove or sorry, wow, is the bat. Um uh, and we're, we are in consensus <laughs> for the top or for the last four of the top 10. My number seven is yeah. Bo Um yep. I think the real only surprise we have down here is how low Stebs had Billy Adamas. Uh, what argument do you have for the other two, Wander Franco and Tommy Edmund over Willie Adamas? I think Wander Franco has more upside coming into this season than Willie Adamas does. Um, I think... It's just for me, the step metric of average is a, just too low for me to have him higher, which I know you guys dislike batting average, but it is a very important statistic. And that doesn't scare you for a guy that we're going to talk about later, like Corey Seager? Corey Seager is a different case because I looked at his percentiles and I liked his percentiles better than Adamas's. So again, I was uh, Tom and I have flip-flopped both so far. He had Franco at number nine i had franco at 10 i had edmund at nine he had edmund at 10 right and then we had then we literally flipped bachette and and yeah yeah. so boba shet's an absolute monster of a hitter and honestly the one thing that's kind of scary is that his 22 really wasn't great except for when he was prime barry bonds at the month of september um like he had a 725 ops at the end of august and it jumped up to an 802 on august 5th or october 5th that's pretty good. Defense, again, not great. And that kind of hurts him at the shortstop position. And this isn't an argument of Bobachet is bad. It's just the other guys are better. Yeah. yeah, I feel like once we get to this point, it's 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 a lot, it's a lot more competitive, especially when we get into the top five. It's it's going to be very interchangeable. Stas? So for me, I had Bobachet also here. Um he it's just for the 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 glove is just too bad it's it he hits the crap out of the ball and plays amazing offense but you have negative seven outs above average last season that's just awful like that like and, and like defense i weigh defense way more than an offense at at the shortstop position so your your offense needs to be like incredible for me to have you in the top five and he really he changes the description to outs below average in all honesty He's got seven outs yeah. below average. And like he, an interesting thing that you kind of just look at year to year, his WRC plus actually went up from 122 to 129 from 21 to 22, but his numbers were down and it's just kind of, he seems like someone that's going to kind of go with the league. If that kind of makes sense. Like his yeah. up years are going to be when the league's a lot better and his down years are going to be when the league's a little bit worse. Well, for me, like I swear to God, he was like out for, for, 
for like games at a time, but he he wasn't. He played 159 games. Like yeah, I had that. It does, I thought it, about I, that too. I, yeah. I swear to God, like I thought he, he was gone for for like a month and then came back and went on a tear and then was gone again for another month. But he he wasn't. He played 159 games out of 162. Yeah. And that that in itself is valuable. I mean, he's played 159 in back to back years. This is a guy that's on the field all the time, which ironically we don't we don't think so, but I guess he is. Um, yeah. Tom, I don't, are I don't you are how. you like that too? Like where you just think, oh yeah, Boba Shed, he missed like a month this year, right? I thought I thought he missed half a month. I thought he missed like two or three weeks, but I, I 159 games. That I um I don't I don't understand. I I guess I guess I guess Boba Shed had a fake injury, or maybe. He just walked on the field and got playing stats. I don't know what happened, but Bobochet, he's durable, Bobichet. I guess. He, he's good. Um, moving on to my number seven, obviously not shocking, is Willie Adamez. I, I kind of like how he's turned a career around in Milwaukee. Obviously, um, we talked about his power. Um, I think it's increasingly likely he's not going to be a Brewer at the end of the season, depending on how their season goes at the trade deadline. That's fair. Um, there's some red flags to his game, like the high strikeout rate, low walk, but that's kind of what you get with his approach at the plate. He's now become a power hitter. Um, and he has a plus glove on the field. I think he's going to be someone that gets better because he has been getting better every single season since he left the race. I like that. I, again, I think Willie Adamas is a really good shortstop who could really command like a good trade for the Brewers. If that's the route they end up having to go. But I think if they trade Adamas, it might be time to trade Corbin Burns. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's talk, conversation talk about it. Talk about a package. Um, that's a that's that's a conversation for another day because they could have a whole rebuild and they can get so many tools for the guys that they have because there's so much value in starting pitching right now. For real, Steph, can you take us into number six? Number six for me might be controversial, but I said it when I was talking about Bo Bichette. Your offense has to be out of this world, Aaron Judge, for me to put you in there. And I have Carlos Correa at six, in my opinion. Uh, I can him. And Dansby, I can see you swapping, and I'm okay with that. But this is where I think Carlos Correa will play heading into the season at, at number six, just out of the top five. Tom's angry. Tom's laughing. So I would like – can you elaborate a little bit more on, like, why he's so low? Uh, For – I mean, I don't think six is really that low in all honesty when all of these guys are really right next to each other. Um, but for me, it's, it's his defense dropped like significantly. I don't have the percentiles up right now, but, or I do have them right here. He went from the 97th percentile and 21 and outs above average to the 18th percent into 18th percentile last year. Um, that has been very bad drop off. And with that injury concern, which probably won't affect him for another couple years, but that's just, it's uh, things that I was taking into account when I was making this list. I I disagree. I I am a it's true believer, and I I I'm not saying this because he was he he's a Giants legend. He was a Giant I'm, for two weeks. No, six I believe, hours. I, I believe that. No, it was a good. It was a good two days. Um, <laughs> it was a very good two days. I keep this human, dude. Hold on. I gotta look back at his defensive profile, but this is a guy for his career has been in the 100th, 96th, 94th, 97th percentile, and he has a crazy arm at shortstop. Do you really yes. think this one season of horrible play and, – and keep in mind that outs above average is determined by significantly less plays than um, like batting average or like another – any other yes. trackable stat. So fielding is is significantly impacted by, by less plays. So 
I'm saying that Carlos Correa should be back on to his at least 90 plus percentile fielding. And you look and at a I guy agree with that. Yeah. I, I, but I think my yeah. point is we're heading into the season and based off of last season, heading into this season, his outs above average were negative three. Negative three so outs I, above average is not like, I, I don't know. I, I, I like Carlos Correa and I think that, you also have to consider previous season. I know you can look at last season and you I can, can like you can, you, can, you can like like I feel like you're pretending like Carlos Correa is a rookie and like this is the only the last season was the only season you've ever seen. I am him. weighing last I weigh last season more than the last twenty seasons he had because Carlos Correa the he, most recent that we have because that's the first time he was in Minnesota. So maybe his defense has shifted because he's in Minnesota. Do you do you believe that, Brad? Or do you think, think this was a fluke fluke feeling season? So I kind of was like. Huh, like why did they drop so much? Uh, and again, Stas points out it's his worst defensive season ever, but I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, what seemed to hurt him was his range going to his left, like first base side, which is the opposite of his bum ankle, which kind of makes you think like boosting off of it may maybe there's something there. But the what the conclusion I came to was the shift positioning with a new organization. I think the shift with the twins played him a lot different with the shift in the Astros. And that had an effect on him. And I think going back to his position, like where he's best at the regular shortstop position in 2023 is going to benefit him a ton. I don't think we're getting back to like the 11 outs above average, but I could see a solid five or six, seven season. I I, yeah. I, I like that. I agree with that. At mid season, I could definitely see him being within this top five, but right now heading into the season, I can't put someone with negative outs above average in the top five. I mean, honestly, and this is this is a point that I'm going to make. This might be a hot take, but if you had asked me at the end of last season, who has been the best defensive shortstop for the last four seasons, I would have said Carlos Correa. He he was that good. He was in the 100th percentile in 2018, then the 96th and the 94th. He has an excellent cannon at shortstop. I mean, the only other arguments you can make maybe Francisco Lindor. I mean, Andrel Andrelton Simmons. Andrelton Simmons before, where did he go? Where Everywhere. did he go? Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, but what I'm saying is this guy's defense, he's a career defensive player that became an offensive player, and now it seems to have flip-flopped. Now he's all offense, no defense, and I just don't believe that's the case for Carlos Correa. I think he's going to get some of that offense back. I'll talk more about it when we get to him, but it's going to be a while before we get to him because I do not have him even close he to was six. in Minnesota and then Chicago. Andrelton Alexander Simmons was born on September 4th, 1989 in Mundo Noble <laughs> no. Carousel. <laughs> He's a career Brett. 37.1 war no. and a career 87 OPS plus. That's just a testament to how good his defense has been. Anyways. Oh, yeah. Hall of Famer. Uh, all right, Brad, let me get into my number six. Let me get my number right, six. Right, I think it. me and yeah. you might be on the same page. Uh, I got Dansby Swanson. Yes, I, sir. I think it's. I think it is shocking to see when an elite defender develops a hit tool, they suddenly become a top 10 player in their in their respective position. It, it's He's arguably the best defender on this list besides one of the guys at the top, which is Carlos Correa. I I'm genuinely impressed because I thought I thought Statcast was not going to like Dancy Swanson. I thought he'd be like this guy with a super low expected batting average, but he finds himself in the top percentiles across the board offensively. Um, what does concern me is low walk rate paired with a high strikeout rate. I see him taking a few steps backwards offensively next year, but he's um, like in the on base percentage in the batting average department. But this is still a guy even without that still hit a lot of home runs last year and also had elite defense. So I think you're getting value regardless of Dancy Swanson. So I was, obviously I had him at number six as well. Um, but my argument was placing him above or below Boba Shett in all honesty, 
And it really came to he's Bo Bichette with a much better glove and just a small, small, little bit less thump. They both hit the ball ridiculously hard. And honestly, I think 2022 is an outlier year in terms of outs above average. Like he's a well above average fielder, but having like putting up that high of a number, it I don't think that's going to happen again, especially leaving Ron Washington. I feel like that has such an impact on the Braves infielders that it's going to hurt him a little bit leaving. Obviously, he's a good fielder. It's been proven year in, year out since 2018. Um, but we put up 20 run, 21 outs above average. It's kind of like a judge season. There's going to be regression. Like whether whether it's extreme or just minimal, there's going to be an ounce of regression. Uh, in terms of performance, excluding his 2020 shortened season, his Woba has gotten better every single season from 2017 to 2022. Uh, but he has a career strikeout rate of 24.2%. But he does walk more than Bichette at 8.6%. So that's why I've placed him at six. But I can't really put him into the top five. I really can't. Yeah. Do you see any regression with him uh, hitting-wise? I mean, again, we you talked about it with William Adams, the strikeout rate, the whiff rate. I think, actually, I think there's going to be like a little bit more pressure on him to perform. And I think he's a type of guy, a Vandy boy that's going to live up to that. If I'm going to be honest, I think, I mean, yeah, he's a first overall pick. Yeah. Having the, having the protection in Atlanta was definitely very helpful. Um, but I think having the pressure here in Chicago of like knowing, Hey, I, I'm getting paid a good amount of money to be here. I'm the franchise guy. I think that's going to help him a good amount. I, I definitely like that. Steps bring us in number five. Uh, number five, I had Dansby Swanson. I mean, you guys have pretty much said everything that I was going to say about him. I just, and I can, I definitely, I see the argument that Correa should be in the top five, but I think Dansby takes the edge slightly due to that 21 outs above average, which I do agree with Brad. I think it'll be, I think it's an outlier and I think he will kind of fall back to earth. I think he will regress slightly and by slightly. I mean, like maybe like a couple points on each uh of the major uh statistics um but nothing crazy like that and for me i want i honestly want i want to see how this carlos correa dansby swanson kind of how their seasons play out this year so i'm gonna just play devil's advocate why is carlos correa's bat not good enough to put him over dansby swanson because he so he batted 291 last year with a 140 wrc plus 4.4 war and an 834 ops i that was that was correa swanson batted 277 116 6.4 and a 77 776 ops the bat is better i agree with that i'm not arguing that correa's bat is 100 percent better than dansby swanson's it's the defensive. It's the glove. That you was have my to big know thing. that Correa's glove is. And I understand. And I understand that. But I'm. I've used the what statistics we have. I I weigh statistics from last season a little bit more than previous seasons. Also, for especially for Carlos Correa, because it he was in Minnesota, so that's the sample size we have of him in Minnesota. I like that point. All right, Tom, you're number five. Xander Bogarts, he has just been good for so long. Uh, we could say he starts slowing down with age, but he really hasn't shown many signs of that. Third highest OPS plus of his career, has gotten MVP votes every single year for the last five years. You know how impressive that is? I I, I think the only thing in terms of impressiveness that you can uh, compare that to is his hugs. I know Stevs, um really likes to talk about his hugs. Um, he gives really good hugs. Uh, if you don't know that reference, check out the TikTok page. 
Um, but his outs above average went from the first percentile in 2021 to the 88th percentile in 2022. Is that an outlier? Uh, it might be, but that is a huge jump. You know, if you have some regression, that's still a much better glove we're looking at. Doesn't strike out a ton. Uh, walks are not elite, but above average. I'm just curious how he adjusts to a, a like a bigger and less friendly uh, hitter friendly ballpark. I know Petco is a little bit less hitter friendly, especially considering he's coming from Boston, one of the best hit parks to hit in. Um, but I'm curious how that translates. I think he's going to be great. Tom, I think we're going to hit another flip flop real quick. I got Francisco okay. Lindor at number five. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I think the argument is like very good for both of them. Lindor's defense overall is obviously a lot better than Bogarts, but Bogarts had a good season last year defensively. Again, I don't think he's that good. He's going to regress, but it's still a good shortstop. He's in San Diego. He has a ton of protection in that lineup. Like that top four, that's ridiculous. Machado, Tatis, Lindor, and Soto. Or fuck, Lindor and <laughs> Bogarts. Um, but I think Lindor is just a little bit worse offensively. Like both of these guys are ridiculously consistent. Um, you have Lindor, 2019, 333 XWOBA, 2020, 346 XWOBA, 2021, 345, 2022, 331. He hits the ball. He's hit the ball in three of the past four seasons at 41% hard hit rate consistently stolen bases are in like a general realm it's just a little bit lower than the people above him in my eyes yeah wait steps did you already get your number five off yeah okay i guess this is a great trend this is a great way to go into my number four which happens to be francisco Lindor. i mean isn't this shocking oh my god I i feel like this guy's value to the mets has been severely underrated um, he's not his 2018 hitting self, but he provides so much defensive value that it doesn't really matter. And it's not really to say he hasn't been producing on the offensive side of things. Had a 125 OPS plus, and I know this really doesn't matter to Brad, but this is a step stat. For the first time in his career, he was actually driving in runs, um, which kind of shows that he's clutched now. He's had, I think he led the team in RBIs other than uh, Alonso, obviously. Finished ninth place in MVP voting, which is highest from any of these shortstops. And I think the reason that Lindor gets that slight edge over Bogarts is because, um, obviously, better defense. But he also switch hits, and he gets the ball to all parts of the field. I do think Bogarts is going to benefit from that shift ban. Um, but Bog- uh, Lindor's just been a guy that's gotten the ball to all parts of the park his whole career. You know, he's been he's never been a, really a pull hitter or push hitter. He just gets the ball everywhere. Yeah, and he did hit consistent, like right and left. He had a 784 OPS versus lefties and a 789 OPS versus righties. Like, that's the definition of consistency. Um, he did walk a little bit more versus right-handed pitching, but then again, you can't really put pit two and two together uh, like yeah. to make an argument against one. Uh, I have Bogarts, shockingly, at number four. Uh, Xander Bogarts is the definition of consistency. He is consistently turning out very good seasons. Consistently a little bit better than Francisco Lindor. His glove obviously isn't as good as his five outs above average. So maybe he, maybe, you know what, maybe it is. We'll, we'll give him the Stev's love and say that maybe, you know what, this newfound defense is great. His offense is just a slight tick above Lindor. He walks pretty much nine to 10% of the time in the past five seasons, strikes out between 17 and 18% of the time the past five seasons. His worst WOBA in the past five seasons is a 363 WOBA, which is fantastic. Like this guy is the definition of consistency. He was a key role player in Boston. He's actually going to go to a place in San Diego. Yes, it is Bogar's going to San, uh, San Diego where he's a little bit better and has more protection in that line. 
But you don't think you don't think the field is going to help him? Like a lot of doubles going into the gaps, hitting off the hitting off if the anything, monster. I think like well, green monster, right? You're able to just like shank a fly ball off of it, but left field at Petco is yeah. pretty shallow. That's true. I just I don't know. I think Xander's a guy who's a lot of his success has come off of doubles. Yeah. And a lot of doubles come from Fenway Park. So I'm curious how those doubles translate to Pet Brad, go ahead. I'm gonna argue if you just look at his baseball savant real quick. He's got one, yeah, yeah. two, three, four, five, six doubles off the monster this season. Or in twenty twenty two. That is actually crazy. He hits a lot down the line. Okay. Yeah. I like so, that. I think I really like about him is the opposite field trend. It's not too heavy to pull side. I mean, yeah, it's not, it's not like he doesn't hit for power opposite field, but he hits for a, a good amount of singles and doubles with the opposite field. He, he's, he's just a talented hitter. I mean, he's always been a talented hitter. And if, if that glove is actually developed now, this could be one of the best. Um, his, his, his contract is extremely long. So you got to hope it does. It works. We're Steve. at four, right? Yeah. I'm right with Brad. Sander Bogarts. Uh, 307 batting average is nothing to laugh at, Um, even though Brad tries to. Uh, 134 WRC plus is incredible with a 6.1 war. Um, again, his outs above average did increase, so hopefully that will continue um, in heading into uh, this season with a new team. I think he's going to get off to a rocky start, which is why I have him lower honestly i'd probably i want him higher on my list but i at this is where i think xander bogarts is at yeah i think i i like bogarts i like the signing for the padres it was interesting that they missed on turner and missed on judge and they still got to settle for xander bogarts who in a given season can arguably put up more production than either of those guys like i think yeah. he's gonna be more consistently consistency in terms of games at least for the next couple seasons than aaron judge Again, but we don't really know that. Yeah, so, I missed your point because I actually clicked um one of the dots on Carlos Correa's thing and it started playing a Carlos Correa clip max volume. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> can you can you repeat that again? Me? No. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you, you're, you're not allowed to repeat it. Not allowed to uh, repeat it. I'm not allowed to. No, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> all I said. What did I say? Um, <laughs> I was talking. I was just talking then. Um, I I'm just think that honest, Bogarts is going to be a little bit more consistent, and he's probably going to play more games than Judge or Turner, uh, yeah, and that gives him a little sure. bit more reliability, especially in terms of contract. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. These So him and the next two guys, I think, are pretty interchangeable for me, Um, and I could see your argument for any of them being at this point in the list. Well, do you want to bring us into number three? Number three, I have Francisco Lindor. Um, Both of them... Both of you guys had him a little bit lower. For me, he played 161 out of 162 games, which is kind of shocking to me because he got hit so many times. Um, and he's just, I mean, he's a good fielder. He's a good hitter. He's a switch hitter. Like, he, he's a very all-around good player on a championship team. And I literally wrote that um, I like him better than most, so they might get angry at me for this. But I, I love him at number three. I, Brad looks angry. It's not. It's not like the worst. I, I think his value. He's very valuable to a team, but I think when you put him up against some of the other guys, I think it's a little bit more controversial. Especially how low Carlos Correa was com compared to all these guys. Before um, the episode, those, Tom and I like kind of mentioned that like, you know, our seven and eight were kind of interchangeable. Four, five, and six were kind of interchangeable. We had them. Yeah. Up. 
I think we might have the same number three though. Who's your number three? It's Carl- Carlos Correa. Oh, we don't have. The is same yours really, three. really? It's Corey okay. Seager. This is good. No, no. Okay, this is good because because you know it would have been too predictable. It was it, it was too it was too peaceful. We needed some controversy. My number three is Carlos Correa. I I, I already talked about some it. controversy. What are you talking about? Actually, Steph's provided some of it by putting Carlos You're Correa. You're welcome. But I I think. So I think obviously his defensive uh, struggles will be worked on in the off season. OPS at one OPS plus at one forty, um, which I'm fairly certain leads all of shortstop. Uh, his percentiles are shocking. Imagine these percentiles with his career outs above average. This is a guy with all red in his in his in his bio here. This is a guy obviously if he gets his defense up, he's a complete player. Um, I know Brad, you're probably betting on that for to, for that to happen, and I I I think it's highly likely, um, but. For Carlos Correa, I just, I mean, he hits the ball really hard. I clicked on one of these dots by accident, and it clicked on his 400, I think it was like 54-foot home run. It was his first career home run as a twin, um, not to mention it was max volume, so I really got to hear the moment and hear the clap of the bat. That was super loud in my ears, but that's besides the point. Obviously, Giants legend. I love Carlos Correa. You know, um, he's not going to be in the league in five years, but he's going to be good next year, and I, I, I like Carlos Correa, number three. So the reason I had Corey Seager just a tad below him was obviously we're going to, as you're going to point out, those percentiles are ridiculous. It's just, they didn't actually lead to production in 2022. Um, And Carlos Correa is consistently in both WOBA and ex-WOBA, a top 10 MVP candidate. He strikes out about league average, but with a well above walk rate. Uh, We talked about his defensive stuff and there is a reason for all the controversy this off season. Like, there is a reason teams were pitting out for Carlos Correa. Um, but Corey Seager, his percentiles are ridiculous. His defense has been really shaky, and that's not much of an understatement. Like, 2016, negative 15 outs above average, and then just lifting him off in order from 2017 to 22, three, negative two, four, two, negative nine, and four outs above average. Like, it's rocky. So I don't think you can really count back and forth what his defense is going to be in a given year. I think he's safe to say he's a very average shortstop. And maybe he's found something in, in Texas. Sevs makes the argument for the twins like in Carlos Correa, but like, I'm not going to give Corey Seager the benefit of the doubt having watched him for the past five seasons, excluding 2022. Um, and I just need to see it translate into numbers a little bit more. His offensive production. I, I, I love Corey Seager. Um, I mean, all signs Brad was talking about this point to him having one of the most unlucky seasons of all time. His expected batting average was 40 ticks below his actual batting average. His expected slugging was 50 ticks below his actual slugging percentage. I mean, go ahead and look at his percentile rankings. They're all red. He could very well be the best shortstop in baseball by the end of the season. He doesn't strike out, walks more than average. Now as a power threat, his glove is, you know, just about league average. He's waiting to break out again, and I think he'll claim the best by the end of the season. If I were to pick a hot take to be the best in baseball at, at, at their given position, I would say Corey Seager would be the best shortstop in baseball. He has the potential, especially considering – Brad, you can go into the shift metrics after this. Um, this guy might benefit the most from shift metrics. He's going to he's going to improve significantly. So two things I wanted to add. Tom obviously points out the shift metrics, uh, and he's someone that I just remember watching. He'd always smoke the ball right at the second baseman, right? He's a 397 Woba without a shift, a 326 with the shift, and he was shifted 93% of the time last year. There's I a breakout right there. Yeah, I don't see how you can, how how he, I, I think, 
I, I really wanted to put him at one, but I think we all know the number one is a guy that has, you know, proven himself and that has to be number one because he's been good and this is going into the season. But I think Corey Seager is easily one of the one of the locks to be the best at the position next year. When I did my 2022 predictions, I had him as like a sleeper MVP. Um, and according to the percentiles, I was right. It's just according to his 242 BABIP, the worst of all qualified shortstops in baseball. Uh, baseball was not on his side. He was Corey Seager with a regular BABIP would have been about a 140 WRC plus bat. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at his percentiles. I mean, 2020 obviously was the year he won World Series MVP, probably his best season, but it was shortened season. He was in the 99th percentile for, I think, every single statistic. And then he came back the next season and almost repeated it. And then he came back this season. Obviously, the percentile is still looking amazing. Um, he's just I, – I think he's just going to keep getting better. Uh, he's been consistently good. He was a guy that I thought was falling off two years ago in 2019, but then 2020 proved me wrong. So I, I really like this guy going into the season. Stubbs, where are you at? Uh, I think we all know who I have at number one. So number two has got to be Corey Seager for me. Um, Tom's mentioned nearly everything that I was going to mention. His percentiles are off the charts. He was one of the most unlucky players um, last season. I really don't think there's much more to talk about. I Again, the glove does let, leave things to be desired, but I feel like so does the guy at number one. And did that is, about, did you talk about Correa? Did you talk about I mean, We've talked about Correa throughout the whole thing. Uh, the reason okay. I have Correa over him is because once again, he's a perennial MVP candidate. He's a guy that we saw it in 2021. He can put up a, a solid OPS, you know, a 51 is a respectable OPS, but he put it up with ridiculous glove and he finished in top three in MVP voting. He's a guy like Tommy Edmond with a good bat can win an MVP award. And in all honesty, I give him the benefit of the doubt for his defense in 2022. I think he did to adjust to a new team and he had to, he had to play in the shift a ton with a different formation than he was used to. I think that's the right call. I think these, these top three should have been set in stone. Should have, should have, but um, bringing us into our number one is the man himself. Stavs, go ahead. It's none other than Trey Turner. Uh, Trey Turner is like, well, he's my favorite player of all time, so there was no debate that he was going to be number one on my list. Um, but he is a five-tool player. He brings nearly everything that you want to the table. Um, and especially now he's going to be in Philadelphia, so he's back on the East Coast, and it's going. he's going to feel more at home because he is definitely an East Coast guy. Um, but overall, uh, my biggest critique is he was a slightly above-average fielder. He wasn't really anything incredible uh, with his glove last year. So I honestly would want more from him um, going into this season. So hopefully he can make the adjustments necessary to get his glove back up to snuff. Yeah, I mean, I heard some people calling this a down year from him. I wouldn't consider it a down year. Um, obviously, some of the statistics were down. But, I mean, under the hood, not not looking crazy. Um, but that's another another point that – under the hood stats don't always mean good actual stats because this guy has been around. I mean, he's been very good in his percentiles, but you compare him to the number two and number three, he's producing more, but his percentiles don't say so. So I, I he's a little bit confusing. Um, I think Trey Turner's a guy that's always going to be top three in hits in the league. He just plays a lot of games. He's consistently on the field. And that, that in itself is valuable. 
but I do see some regression. Obviously, a guy like him, um, a lot. I mean, the stat, the Statcast stats progress show him regressing a little bit. Obviously, guy puts the ball in play a lot. Um, sometimes benefits from it. Um, but he finished 11th in MVP last year. I think we're taking that away from him. I he's still very good. I just don't know if by the end of the season he'll be that guy. Um, this may have been his worst season since 2018, and it was still well above average. Let me have a down year and post 6.3 frame gaps or like I'd be okay with that. Uh, he still had his normal batting average, second most home runs he's ever had in a season, and he was seventh in the league in stolen bases. Uh, his down season was an 809 OPS, which isn't horrible, but by his standards, it could be a little bit better. Um, and he's not recently, he really hasn't been the best defensive shortstop, but with his speed and range, he can make up for that because he can turn singles into doubles. And he's a slap model hitter who can hit for average. He can hit for power, and he has an 80 grade hit tool or a speed tool. There's the argument. Yeah, I, I just I, I expect some regression. Let me check his expected. Um, I obviously the expected are not. Yeah, they're not too great. I mean, two seventy six expected batting average for a two ninety eight regular batting average. Um, I mean. The wobe was higher than the expected. Well, I mean, that's kind of what you get in a player like Trey Turner. He puts the ball in play. Um, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. And obviously, this is a guy who can put the ball in play and outrun anything, you know. Um, so guy who can get these infield hits too. He's very valuable, and I think he'll do great on the um the Phillies. I think I think the spotlight's definitely going to be on him until Harper comes back, considering he will be the star of the team until Harper comes back. So I don't know how he handles handles the pressure, but he kind of was the star of the Nats before he left. So I think he'll be all right. He'll be completely fine. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to just run it down real quick. Um, Tom, who's your sleeper of the draft? Sleeper of the draft? Or sleeper of the rankings. Um, I mean, <laughs> sleeper because I'm sleeping through Stead's explanation of Carlos Correa being at number six. That, like, other than that, we were all very close. I thought me and Brad were going to be within one of everything except for Carlos Correa, but that, that we were, we were pretty close. And the, the fact that we all had the exact same 10 guys, I think other than what says, who'd you have? At 10? No, I had, I had, we had all the exact same 10 guys. I said we were going to have the exact same 10 guys, just different orders. And yeah, exactly. Right. Because I knew you guys weren't going to have Carlos Correa so low. Yeah. I feel like I, uh... I feel like third base is going to be fairly similar when we do discuss third baseman. Yeah. It's just number 10 for me. I don't think you guys are going to agree with, and even I don't know if I fully agree with it. I just don't know who to put at 10. I mean, and yeah, I was very close to putting Tim Anderson at 10 instead of Tommy Edmond. I was very close before the episode, but I had Tommy Edmond down first and I was like, I'm not going to change him right before the episode. So Brad, you got our numbers. Mm-hmm. I do. So coming in at number 10, obviously Wander Franco, number nine, Tommy Edmond. Number eight, Willie Adamas. Number seven, Boba Shett. Number six, Dansby Swanson. Number five, Xander Bogarts. Number four, Francisco Lindor. Number three, Carlos Correa. Number two, we got Corey Seager. And Stavs at number one. Is Trey Cerner. Yes, sir. So, as we just hinted at, third base will be coming out on Friday. If you want to interact with us, interact with us at all, you can hit us on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. We'll be there. We top chopping it up. Okay, we had a lot of discussion over the past couple of days in regards to the MLB the show cover. 
Uh, thank you all for listening. We appreciate you. If you want to hit the subscribe button, that would be great. We're not going to be posting a Hall of Fame episode specifically. You can go check that out on Variety Sports Network. We made a little guest appearance last great last week, and that was great. Uh, be sure to go check that out. We will see you all next time on the 4A Baseball Podcast. Peace.